This sermon is titled Laboring in Birth, Travailing Intercessory Prayer. Be enriched as you listen. This morning, we are going to uh, take a few moments to study God's Word on laboring in birth. So Amy asked me, what qualifies you to talk about that? I said, <laughs> you went through it. <laughs> anyway, so laboring in births, really talking about travailing intercessory prayer. So I want us to spend some time understanding this important aspect of prayer. You see, God works in many different ways. Uh, there are times when, you know, he calls us to have faith in his word and faith becomes a vehicle through which God works. There are times it happens because of the presence of God. We are in time of worship and the presence of God is taken strong and things happen in God's presence. Sometimes there are manifestations of his glory. So sometimes there are the gifts of the Holy Spirit that, that operate. And so there are Many different ways in which God works. So like 1 Corinthians 12, 6 says, there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God who's working. And there is this important aspect of God's working, which has to do with laboring in birth. It's very different from the other expressions, because the other expressions are very instantaneous. And we all like that. We all like a miracle that happens instantly, you know, in the presence of God, or in the glory, or through the gift of the Spirit, or the, through, uh, um, uh, through, you know, because of faith. We all like that. But yet, there are times when God will work through us through this process of laboring in birth or travailing intercessory prayer. And so for us, we must understand what this is, how this happens. And I want to invite all of us today, not only to understand it, but to begin to engage in laboring in birth or travailing intercessory prayer. And towards the close of the message, I'll probably share some of my own personal journey in this, just to encourage us that, look, all of us, can be involved in this. Let's read a few passages of Scripture to begin with. Uh, let's go to Galatians chapter 4. Uh, we'll read three, three references. We'll read uh, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 16. Galatians 4 verse 16. The Apostle Paul writes here, he says, um, Galatians chapter 4 verse 19, sorry. Galatians 4 19. My little children... For whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. My little children, for whom I labor in birth. So that phrase, labor in birth. Again, until Christ is formed in you. Let's go to Isaiah the 66th chapter. So if you can turn with me there, I know these, these scriptures are also put up on the screen, uh, but it's good to read it from the Bible. Uh, if you have it there in front of you, Isaiah, Isaiah 66, we're going to read from verse 7 through verse 9, please. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. 
Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? As soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery, says the Lord? Shall I who cause delivery shut up the womb, says your God? Now, what I want us to see in this passage here, it's the she that is being spoken of is Zion. We see that in verse, uh, uh, verse 8, as soon as Zion travailed. So the she is Zion. Now, Zion is simply refers to the people of God. The people of God, God's people. In the Old Testament, it refers to the people of Israel. But when you look into the New Testament, and we have references for this on Scripture, when you look at the New Testament, the word Zion is used in the New Testament to refer to the church, the people of God. So this passage, while it does have Old Testament, immediate Old Testament reference and context, can also be applied to the church. As soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Verse 8. Let's also go to Romans, the 8th chapter. We'll read verses 26 and 27. Romans chapter 8. And verses 26 and 27. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for, pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. What I want to just highlight from these two verses is, notice it's talking about the Holy Spirit helping us in our weaknesses. So that means he's joining together with us. It's not something he's doing independent of us. He's doing it together with us. He helps us in our weaknesses. What does he do? That we should pray as we are supposed to. So he helps us in that, in our prayer life, by helping us make intercession with groanings. With groanings. This intercession is happening with groanings. Now, let's just define a few terms here. The word travail is the old English word that is talking about labor pains, the, the pains a, a, a woman goes through at the time when contractions begin and she's ready to deliver. So travail, the labor pains. Zion, as we mentioned, refers to God's people in the Old Testament, refers to the church in the New Testament. Intercession. You're talking about intercession here, Romans 8, 26, 27. Intercession is just to go, means to go in between. To go in between. We can go in between man and God. Your intercessory prayer, man and God. You can go in between man and the demonic powers. 
What the devil is trying to do. You go, when you're interceding, you also go on behalf of people against demonic powers. You're interceding for them. Or you can also intercede in the sense, go in between someone and the situation that they are facing. That means you're acting on their behalf to overpower that circumstance, to deal with the circumstance. So intercession has these, these threefold aspect. You can go between man and God, between man and demonic powers, or go between man and the situation they are facing. Are you with me so far? What I want to point out here in Romans 8, 26, 27, when it talks about groanings which cannot be uttered, how do we know that this prayer and groaning is uh, this groaning is talking about these labor pains. Because if you back up a few verses and you go to Romans 8.22 and Romans 8.23, he uses, and then in verse 26, so in verse 22, 23, and verse 26, the apostle Paul is repeating this word groaning. And if you go look at verse 22, he explains it in full. He says, groans and labors with birth pangs. Groans and labors with birth pangs that's the context so that's the picture he has in his mind when he's talking about groanings labors birth pangs the groaning is similar to these labors birth pangs or birth pains and that is what he's referring to in verse 26 when he says the holy spirit helps us to pray with groanings what groanings labor pains are you with me? So this intercession that he's talking about in verse 26 and 27 is that groanings that come out of those intercessions are really what he mentioned, referred to already in verse 22. Groanings with labor pains. And so what I want us to understand that in Scripture, and we're not, you know, in, in the sermon notes, we've put down all these references, but I'm just, you know, distilling this information for us. In Scripture, prayer an intercession or travailing prayer is often used in the context of birthing things. It is used in the context of birthing or giving birth to things. That just as we saw in Romans 8, 26, 27. Intercession, there's labor pains. Prayer and intercession, there is labor pains. So, in all of these three references that we looked at in Galatians 4, where Paul says he is praying for the believers in Galatia. He labored in birth the first time to birth them into the kingdom, but they fell back. They went back to the law. So he's saying, I have to labor in birth again. To see Christ formed in you. To, for you to become strong in your faith. In Isaiah 66, Zion, the church, labors and then she gives birth. She gives birth to the purposes of God on the earth. She gives birth to her children. She gives birth to whatever God wants to release on the earth. And Romans 8, 26, we are praying with the help of the Holy Spirit and we experience these groanings. What I want us to notice is that in all these three references, we are involved. So we could say very safely that we, God's people, are the womb of, God, of heaven on earth. We, the church, 
are the womb of heaven on earth. So just to get this truth into your heart, raise your right hand up and say this with me. We are the womb of heaven on earth. It's good to say, say some things, you know, sounds like nursery school, but it's good to say to reinforce the truth in your spirit that we are the womb of heaven on earth. So when God wants to release things on earth, he uses you and me. And one of the ways he does it is through this labor in birth, this travailing intercessory prayer, which we want to understand and break down so that we can all participate in this and, and know how to engage uh, and therefore give birth to the purposes of God. So through this process of birthing, of travailing intercessory prayer, this travailing intercessory prayer is connected to this process of spiritual birthing. As we saw in Romans 8, 26, 27. So just to you know, understand and just to remind, I'm not getting into the details of physiology. I'm not expert in all of that. But basically we understand this whole birthing process. Conception takes place. Then there is a period of gestation, which means the baby is developing in the womb. And in the natural, that's typically nine months. The normal process of gestation, the period of gestation, nine months. And then there is this brief moment. Now, that, that time of labor is not a fixed time. You know, some have it maybe a few minutes, some maybe a few hours. Sometimes, you know, in some cases it might extend over a day or so. But then comes this period of labor contractions, labor pains, and then there is delivery. And that's what we're talking about. Now, although it's painful, there is joy on the other side. So that laboring in birth, that travailing intercessory prayer is not easy. It's groanings. But there's joy on the other side because something has been birthed. On the earth. And so we want to understand this process. And what I want to place before us. And again there are references for all of these. But as believers we must engage. In travailing intercessory prayer. For many things. To see souls birthed. Into God's kingdom. If you want to see people come into God's kingdom. This is one way. Paul said, I labor, he wrote to Galatians, I labor in birth again. That means the first time he labored in order to bring them into the kingdom of God. So in order to see souls saved, somebody has to become the womb of God on the earth. We have to labor in travail, intercessory prayer to see believers mature in Christ's likeness. That means you want to see people grow and mature and see Christ formed in them. Somebody has to labor, travail, in prayer. To see the purposes of God released on the earth. You know, God speaks his word. But somebody has to become the womb of God on, of heaven on earth. To see that purpose released. To see supernatural demonstrations of God's power. 
Many times, like I said earlier, it comes through this laboring process. And so somebody has to labor in birth or travailing, engage in travailing intercessory prayer to confront and overthrow the works of darkness. And we'll give scriptures for all of these. They're in the notes and we, might, we will allude to some of these instances before we close. To confront and overthrow the works of darkness, somebody has to labor in birth, engage in travailing intercessory prayer. So for all of these reasons, we as God's people must be equipped to do this. Amen? So are you ready to go into the labor ward today? Labor room? Put your hand up. <laughs> Amen. So of course we are speaking metaphorically, right? God, the Bible is using this whole thing metaphorically as a picture to convey spiritual truth to us. Using the natural to teach us about the spiritual. So, how does this happen? Let's break this down. First of all, conception has to happen. That is, the seed of the Word of God must be impregnated into the womb of your heart. That's where conception happens. The Word of God must get into your heart. Now, we all know that the Word of God is referred to as seed. Luke chapter 8, verse 11, in the parable of the sower, Jesus called, said, The seed is the word of God. First Peter 1 Peter 1.23, Peter writes, he says, You're born again by the incorruptible seed of the word. So we know that seed is the word of God. And very interestingly, uh, if you look at John chapter 7, verse 38, where Jesus says, talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, he says, Out of your heart will flow rivers of living water out of your heart now in the greek there are you know there's there's the greek word cardia you, jesus could have used that word cardia refers to the organ but he didn't use that word he used a different word here in john 7:38 where when he was saying out of your heart will flow rivers of living water that word heart there the greek word refers to the inner parts of a man, the innermost person of a man, and is often translated as womb. So you could read John 7, 38 like this, out of your womb will flow rivers of living water. Now, that word simply means innermost being, so here they put it as heart, to talk about from your inside. But that same Greek word is also translated womb in several places in the New Testament. So out of your womb, out of your inner person, will flow the work of the Holy Spirit. But if that work has to come out of the womb, that means there's a process, something has to happen there inside the womb before this expression can take, take place. Are you with me so far? So what is what the first step in order to release the work of God is, the word of God must get into your heart, your womb. Your inner man, your heart is like a womb. That's where the word of God or conception takes place. And then you keep nurturing the word by hearing the word over and over again. And, and what happens? That, that is whatever is being birthed in you begins to be formed inside you. How long? We don't know. In the natural, we know the gestation period is nine months. But in the spirit, we don't know. But you've got to go through that gestation period of that word being formed, fully formed in you, until you come to this time of delivery. 
Are you with me so far? Yes? No? Maybe? So the word has to be formed inside you. So for some of us, let's put it down. You know, some of us, we want a work of God to take place in our future. And I will, towards the end, I'll share some of my personal experiences. We want to see God take, you know, something to take place in our future, in our life. But you've got to birth it. It's not just going to drop out of the sky. It's got, you've got to birth it. So the word God has spoken to you. Now that word may be the written scriptures, the promises in the written scriptures. It could be a very personal word. It could be a prophetic word. Now, of course, you've got to check that. Make sure that is God speaking to you and you're not just in some fancy world. But, but when you know that God has spoken that word, that it is truly a word from God, either through the scriptures or by His Spirit spoken to your heart, now that word has to be built as a develop inside you. You're going through that period of gestation and you keep nurturing that word by feeding the word with the more of the promises of God. You're building it up inside you. So concerning your future, for example, you take Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans He has for me, plans to prosper me, plans to give me a future and a hope and so you build that word into your spirit you keep feeding that word and other scriptures concerning your future and your your life for instance Proverbs 4 18 the path of the righteous is like the shining sun that gets brighter and brighter unto the perfect day or Psalm 37 verse 37 mark the blameless man uh, 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 and, and the perfect man because his future is bright Psalm 37, 37. Mark the blameless man, the upright man. His future is secure. It's bright. So he said, my future is secure. It's bright. Right? So you take these scriptures, feed it in your spirit. What's happening? Conception, gestation. And then you begin to pray. You pray in the Holy Ghost. You pray in the Spirit. And as you and I pray or we travail, groan, and labor. So you begin to pray. You're praying in tongues. God, I'm praying over my future, God. This is what you said. Or maybe it's concerning you know, your finances. God, you said in your word that wealth and riches will be in my house. You said in your word, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches. So you're praying in the Holy Spirit. And what happens as you pray in the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit will take you, will carry you, will bring you into this moment of travail but in order to get there you have to start praying are you with me you start praying pray in tongues pray in the Holy Ghost why Romans 8 26 27 we saw he himself helps us in our weaknesses for we don't know how to pray for as we ought but the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So the Holy Spirit, you pray, you pray in tongues. And as you're praying, He brings you into those moments where you labor. Now, in those moments of labor, what happens? Just as in the natural, there are groans and sighs and pain. It's, it's, it's hard work. It's pain. Now, I remember the first time that this is when Joshua was being born, and we were in New Jersey. You know, before, uh, you know, over there, it's all very, very well organized. You have to attend Lamar's classes. 
before you can go for the delivery. And so I don't know how many weeks we went to for these classes. They told you, you know, the breathing technique, what must the husband do? He must stand next to the, the wife and say, push, push, push. You know. So we were all well trained. So then came the time, the moment. And we were in the hospital. I was standing next to Amy. I said, okay, now I must do what I've been trained to do. So Amy, breathe in, breathe out. <laughs> I'm the coach <laughs> standing next to her. And, uh, you know, and then I said, okay, push, push. You know? She got so angry. <laughs> I said, keep quiet. <laughs> so all that training disappeared in a moment. <laughs> so no use. You know? She just held my hand tightly. You know, and Joshua came. You know? But that was just a side note. It wasn't planned. But anyway, what I wanted to say was, it's hard work. Sometimes it's very painful. I mean, if when you see, uh, and I was there right next to Amy, and then they said, come, now cut the umbilical cord. They gave me the scissors, I cut, okay. But that, that, that time was not easy. It was very painful, intense. And so the, in the spiritual, the Holy Spirit brings us to that moment, that birthing. Now, we don't know how short or long that moment is. In Isaiah 66, it says, as soon as he travails. How long is that soon? Or how short is that soon? We don't know. But when the Holy Spirit brings you into that travail, you engage that way. In the scriptures, it's called as earnest, fervent prayer. It's called as groanings with pain. You don't know, but you engage. Sometimes you keep coming back. You're in that for a season. It may not be one hour. It may be a season, many days. You're engaging that way because this is spiritual. But then when you've gone through that process, you have actually released something that heaven wanted released here on earth. Do you understand that? So, we, the church, we, God's people, must come into this process. We must go into labor pains. Step into this process of laboring, travailing intercessory prayer. There are many examples in the Bible. Hannah, she travailed in prayer for a child. Daniel travailed in prayer to receive an understanding of what God was about to do. Jesus travailed. And if you look at John 11, I think two or three times it says Jesus groaned. And the Bible doesn't state it. But it's quite possible that, that three or four days before Jesus came to Lazarus' tomb, he was in travail. Because at that moment, when he did arrive... At least two times it says, two, two, two times it says, he groaned, and once it says he wept before the tomb. So I don't think it was just happened at that moment. I think it was a period of three, four days when he was in that groaning, travailing. And of course, we know Jesus agonized in the garden of Gethsemane. So prayer in the spirit and praying in tongues is really something that enables this whole process for you and me to engage in laboring in birth. And let me point you to a few biblical examples and then I'll share my 
some of my personal examples and we're going to pray. Think about Elijah. This is 1 Kings, the 18th chapter, verses, chapter 18, verse 1, verse 41 to 46, and then you cross-reference James 5. Elijah, think about this scenario with me. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, God spoke to Elijah and said, Elijah, go tell the king, I will send rain. Now many of us will think if God spoke, my job is done. Why? God spoken. So Elijah went and told the king, God said it's going to rain. But what else did he do? End of it, chapter 18. It says, verses 41 to 46, he goes up to Mount Carmel and he prays. And it doesn't tell us how long, but it tells us how many times. Seven times. So imagine if each time was a one hour long prayer. I don't know, I'm just guessing. That means for seven hours he was praying. Now God said, I will send rain. Question, why was there a need for a man to pray? When God said, I'll do it. Because you and I are the womb of God on the earth. So when you read the Bible, you read the promises of God. God said, I will do this for you. I will bless you. I will multiply you. But somebody has to pray. And that's what Elijah did. He prayed. I wasn't, we don't know how long. I'm assuming maybe seven hours. If each time was an hour. I don't know. But James 5.16 says, we have to pray like that. And it says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And it's pointing to Elijah on Mount Carmel. So the point is, just because God has spoken a promise to you and me, doesn't mean we can close our eyes, put our head on the pillow and go to sleep. No, it just means you got to go on Mount Carmel and labor and give birth to it. That's one way. I'm not saying every time that has to happen, but that's one way and that becomes necessary when the Holy Spirit leads you into that. Think about Jacob wrestling with God. And this is just an amazing thing. You read about this in uh, Genesis, the 32nd chapter. And over in Hosea 12, verses 3 and 4, the Holy Spirit gives us commentary on what happened in Genesis 32. So in Genesis 32, Jacob is about to have a big transition in his life. See, this is a key for many of us. As you are preparing for a transition in your life, make sure you take time to pray and give birth to the purpose of God for the next season in your life. Jacob was about to make a big transition. Why? He had just come back. God had prospered him in his un- when he was working for his uncle Laban. Now he's coming back and he's got to meet Esau. He's got to go back into territory that belonged to him. It's a big transition. He's coming with all of his earnings and all that he's got, but he doesn't know what Esau is going to do. Esau could come out and attack him. Esau could take revenge. Esau could come with his armed men. All he's had is news that Esau is there and he's got his armed men with him. So he's, you know, there's transition happening. What does he do? Genesis 32, it says he wrestled with God. Now the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how, and really it's, it's something beyond our understanding how a man could wrestle with God, because all that God has to do is stand there and nobody can touch him. But yet in this incident, God allowed himself to be prevailed upon by a man. It was not that Jacob was more stronger than God, but God allowed Jacob to prevail. 
And he was in that grip all night. Didn't let go. He was wrestling with God. And if you look at Hosea chapter 12 verse 3 and 4. The Bible says, He asked for favor and he asked earnest prayer. So it wasn't just his physical grip on God, but it was his earnest prayer. It was his pleading. It was his entreating before God. God, you've got to bless me. I'm in a transition. I'm going to meet Esau. I don't know what's going to happen. I've left everything. I'm going into something I don't know. Oh God, you've got to bless me. And you know how God blessed him? He said, I'm changing your name from Jacob to Israel. I'm making you somebody who has stature with God. But how did it happen? He wrestled with God. And it's such a powerful picture of this travailing in prayer. When you and I decide to get a grip on God and God allows that. That mortal man could grip on Almighty God and say, God, unless you bless me. That's what Jacob did. Another example that we just want to point out to you, to us is... You know, when we contend against the powers of darkness, this is Ephesians 6, verse 12 and 18. In verse 12, it's telling us that we are wrestling against the powers of darkness. But then in verse 18, it tells us part of our armor, part of our engagement, the enemy, he says, you pray always in the Spirit. So how are you wrestling with powers of darkness? You're praying in the Spirit. And somehow you and I engaging in prayer is going, us going against those principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. Contending against those powers of darkness. And lastly, we engage in prayer. We deliver the completed work. I, I may not explain everything here. We've put some of these things in the notes. But Paul writes something very powerful in Colossians 1, 24 to 26. He says, I make up in my body what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Whoa, could there be anything lacking in the sufferings of Christ which Paul has to make up in his body by what he does? What does he mean? Surely what Christ did on the cross is a completed work. We can't add to it. What Paul is telling us, and when you cross-reference 2 Corinthians 11 and also Galatians 4.19, which we just read, and you put it all together, you understand that Paul, what Paul is saying is, Christ has completed the work in his suffering, but I suffer in order to deliver that completed work to people. So that's, what, that's the gap you and I have to fill. Are you understanding? In order to bring that message of that completed work, in order to bring that work into the lives of people, somebody has to fill the gap. And part of filling the gap, and you look at 2 Corinthians 11, he writes about being in fastings often and care for the churches, which we can understand as part of his praying for the churches, laboring in birth again for these people. So, what I want to invite us as a church is, will you labor in birth? Will you labor in birth? See, this message is not a hallelujah message. Okay, this message is meat, not ice cream. Amen? It's for us to take a hold of. Will you labor in birth? Will you engage in travailing intercessory prayer for yourself? 
for your family, for other individuals, for the church, for communities, for cities, for nations? Will you engage? Will you be the womb of God on the earth? This is one of the ways, as I mentioned earlier, to see the works of God released. And sometimes it is a necessary way to see the work of God released in your own life and in the lives of people around you and for those you care about. How do you do it? Repeating. First, you put the word of God in your spirit, in the womb of your heart. Put God's word. It starts with the Bible, the promise of God. What did God say? Or maybe he gives you a word in your spirit, something personal. You've got that word. Get it into your womb, into the womb of your heart. Engage there. Then, secondly, engage in prayer. Pray in the spirit. Pray in tongues. And thirdly, as you pray, while you're praying, the Holy Spirit will take you into the labor room. But you've got to pray for Him to take you into the labor room. He'll bring you there. And your prayer goes from, Oh God, bless me. To something more intense. I say, God, I can't let you go until you bless me. You become like Jacob. You become like Elijah on Mount Carmel. Where your prayer becomes fervent, earnest, intense. Because you're about to birth something. And when the Holy Spirit ushers you in that, you yield yourself to it. How long is it going to be? I don't know. But as soon as you do it, once you start engaging in it, birthing will happen. So just to share some examples, you know, and when I share these personal stories, please understand I'm doing it for two reasons. One, to encourage all of us. I want, and I'm going to share it across different stages of my life because some of you are school students or in college. I want you to know you can do it. Some of you are in the early stages of your work life. I want you to know you can do it and on. So I want it to be an example. I want it to be an encouragement. And the second reason is I want, I want us to understand that all of us can be involved. That's it. Now to draw attention to myself, just, you know, I'm just plain old, plain old. So don't, don't think highly of me, just, but this is what happened. So when I was in school, during my grades 8 to 12, we were living in Bangalore. I was part of Richmond Town Methodist Church. And I remember those days, every Saturday, it was my normal practice, I'd go to the church, to church and those buildings were, I mean, the old buildings all disappeared now. But there was Stevens Hall. There were back rooms there. There was a library there. So I would go on every Saturday. I'd take the key and say, I just want to use one of those rooms. So they would open up one of those rooms for me. And I'd spend the day in prayer. And during that season, grade 8 to 12, as I spent almost every Saturday in prayer, almost every Saturday, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm sure I missed some Saturdays, but almost every Saturday, in those times of prayer, prayer would go just from praying normal in tongues to becoming Intense. Intense. There was one Sunday, I was sitting in the church, 
I was so pained in my spirit. I got up of the service, went out, and was groaning in the auditorium. I mean, not in the auditorium, in that Stevens Hall there. It was like what I was telling you about groaning. In those days, I didn't understand these things. Like it just happened. I just yielded myself to the Holy Spirit. But right after that time, that night, that evening of groaning, and I, and I got an opportunity to preach in that church, and then ministry opened up. So I sat right after that. I got access into Ballin Boys School, Cathedral School, and my own school, Bishop Cotton's. Ministry opened up. Now, I didn't know this birthing process, all of those things. I didn't know all that. It was just the Holy Spirit was leading. And ministry opened up in these days. And so many lives got touched. And, you know, every now and then I run into people. They say, like, you remember those days? You used to come and preach. I was there. I gave my life to Christ. But there was travail. There was intercession happening. There was groaning happening. And nobody knew. But lives were birthed into God's kingdom in those four years. I remember when I was in college, and, and, and there's, there's a lot, but I just touch on certain things. When I finished my four years of engineering in Manipal, it was a May of that year, so this was May of 1990. Exams over, final exams over, all the students gone. I said, I'm going to stay back three days. And I said, Lord, these three days, I'm going to pray. And I want to pray for my future. So I'm committing these three days to pray for my future because I'm stepping out of college. Uh, the plans were, you know, we'd done all the usual things, applying, got admission to go to do my master's overseas, and all of those things were done. But God, I'm praying now. I want to birth my future before I go into it. Are you understanding? And the scripture that I took at that time was Isaiah 45, verse 1 to 3. So for three days, praying those scriptures in my, into my life. Now, I'd spent time in Isaiah 45 even before, but I believe that those three days of just engaging in intense prayer was something for the future, transitioning into something. That God would go before me, make crooked places straight, open before me the double doors, that he will give me the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places, and so on. But I did that. And then when we came back to India over the last 20 years, there have been many days during this 20-year period when there were challenges, sometimes in the business, sometimes in the church, sometimes decisions to be made about the church, and I would just take a day off. And there were numerous days when I just spent six to eight hours in prayer, aside from bathroom breaks. But that was it. I don't go tell everybody, hey, today I'm praying. No, no it's not, that's, that's not the point. The point is, you need to understand that in order for certain things to be released, you've got to labor in birth. Are you with me? Everybody's very quiet. Are you with me? And this is something all of us can do. That's why I'm purposely talking about school days, college days, working days, last 20 you know, from 2001 to 2014, I was working and pastoring the church. But I would take days off, spend the day in prayer, engage. Sometimes it's intense. Sometimes it's painful. But I would do it to give birth to what I know God wants done. Amen? 
And I, this last one is a little more recent. Again, I don't want to, you know, this last year, the pandemic broke out, uh, end of 2019, but 2020 was severe. But 2021, this year was even more severe. Now, remember, May and June were the most difficult months. And in May, we were doing 40 days of prayer. And many of you joined in the mornings, 6 to 7. And it was just so touching, you know, to see the, 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 the requests that were coming in, so many needs. And even among our own church community, different ones, you know, that, that time of month of May was very, very difficult. And I want to thank all of, for, you know, all of you just engaged in prayer, getting up early in the morning, seven, 6 to 7, praying together. You know, we had between 90 to 100 people every morning praying. But I remember towards the end of that, early part of June, one of our dear brothers in church, uh, he got COVID. And then he was admitted in the hospital. Now, I, I, I'm sharing this. It's a very personal thing. Nobody other than Amy knows about this. But I, the reason I'm sharing it is because I want you to do the same. Now, the moment I heard this brother got into, was admitted in the hospital, I said, God, now his family really needed him. And the situation was very critical. During that two to three week period, in the afternoons, I would call the family, spend about 20, 30 minutes on a Zoom call because we needed to keep them in, encouraged. And I cleared out my schedule. I said, God, I'm not going to let this brother die. And every afternoon, two hours, three hours, I was praying for this brother. I said, I took every scripture on healing. I said, God, I will not let this brother die. Some days, three hours straight, just for one person. For that three-week period. I said, God, I will not let him die. Now, every day I was speaking to the family. They were getting the news. Sometimes it was not good news, but God had put a word in my heart. He will not die. But I had the written word, God's healing covenant. And I would clear out my afternoons. I would speak to the family. Then for the next two hours, three hours, pray. Now, I'm not saying I'm the only one who prayed. I'm sure many, many people are praying for him. And I know the doctors were doing their best. But I'm just sharing what I did for that one brother. And that's what I want each one of us to do. When I heard that he's, you know, things getting better, he's home, I said, my work is done. Let the family be happy. But I, can, I know that, that three-week period, two to three-week period was not easy. But I said, God, I will not give up. This brother has to live. His family needs him. The extended family needs him. This cannot happen. But it was not easy. Now I'm asking you, will you do that for somebody? Because somebody has to labor. Now I've done that for others. 
sometimes people don't know. Like we, I'm not going and telling everybody. The only reason, only Amy knew this till now. The reason I'm sharing it with you is because I want you to do the same for other people. Clear up your schedule. I know we are all busy, but sometimes if we fail to labor, we can miss what the purpose of God. What if Elijah had not prayed on Mount Carmel? I don't know. Most likely, what God spoke would not have happened. So is that possible? Yeah. Otherwise, why would the prophet have had to pray? You and I are the womb of God on the earth. So today I want to invite you. This is for mature Christians. Are you with me? This is not for, this is not Sunday school nursery. It's time for us to grow up and say, God, I will be the womb of God on the earth for somebody. First of all, start with your own life. Because sometimes some of the purposes that God wants to release in your life will not come by just, you know, somebody waving a hand on you or placing their hand on you. It's going to come through this process. You have to be there in the labor ward yourself. So just to repeat, as believers, we must engage in travailing intercessory prayer to see souls birthed into God's kingdom, to see believers mature towards Christ-likeness, to see the purposes of God released on the earth, to see supernatural demonstrations of God's power, to confront and overthrow the works of darkness. Are you willing to do it? Amen? Okay, now we can smile, be happy. Message is over. <laughs> I know sometimes the message is a little intense. So, let's take a few moments pray. Worship team, please come. Let's take a few moments to pray. You can remain seated for a few minutes, please. And just say, God, I'm willing to be the womb of God on the earth. I'm willing to pray. Holy Spirit, you lead me, God. You lead me. Maybe there are some things you have been wanting to see happen in your life. And today, you've learned how to release that. There are times, I'm, like we said, there are times God just supernaturally works. You know, there's the miracle, there's the gift, faith, and all of that. But then there are times when God says, I want you in the labor ward. Because this has to be birthed through you. So would you pray right now and say, God, I feel in my heart that these things you want to birth in my life. But today I've learned something that maybe I need to apply in my life. So that this thing that I've been carrying in my heart, of what has been planted in your heart, in your womb, but now you need to go through that gestation, you need to let it be formed, and you need to come in to the point of delivery. So you need to start praying. And say, Holy Spirit, lead me into that labor room where I can labor in birth. 
I can engage in travailing intercessory prayer to release this into my life. I'm talking about for you personally. For you. Things that God wants to release in your own life will come through this laboring in birth. And secondly, I also want you to pray and say, God, please use me for anything else. Something, anything else that you want to birth here on earth. Maybe for another person. Maybe for a community. Maybe for a city. Maybe for a nation. God, I'm available. I know this is not an easy, easy thing. It's not an easy thing. To be there in the labor board. An hour a day, two hours a day, sometimes three hours a day. But when you step into laboring, God will bring you to the point where you will deliver. Because he said in Isaiah 66 verse 9, Shall I, the one who causes, to, who causes birth, not bring you to your delivery? God will bring you to that. But you've got to step into laboring. So will you take some time to pray? Please pray. Let's have some music for a few minutes. We'll sing a little later. Yeah, just have some music. Father, we thank you that the Holy Spirit helps us understand spiritual truth. And the Holy Spirit will help each one step into this here, Lord. People watching online, people are going to listen to this. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit will translate truth into practice in each of our lives. That we will not just hear truth, but this truth will transform us into people who actually become the womb of God on earth. In releasing the purposes of God. So Father, raise us up as a church. Where many things will be birthed. In us, through us, in this city, in this nation, and even in the nations of this world. Because your people are willing to labor in birth. Because your people are willing to travail in, in prayer and intercession. So that the purposes of God could be released on earth. 
And Holy Spirit, come, engage, work in our lives. Raise up men and women, young people, who will know how to birth the things of God on earth. Raise up such people, Lord. We thank you, Father. Thank you. Could we please stand? We're going to just transition a little bit. We're going to sing a song that proclaims what God can do in our lives. As you sing this song, just sing it over your own life. Say, God, you will turn graves into gardens. You will do amazing things in my life. And let it be a proclamation of our faith in God and what God can birth through our lives and what God can work in our lives. Let's sing. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. the room and as we declare this he turns our morning into dancing here we go you turn morning to dancing you give beauty for ashes you turn shame into glory you're the only one who cares you turn praise into God you turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one. 
for anyone to receive Jesus Christ into your life I know this message was really meant for believers but if there's anyone here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord as your Savior you've never received him into your life maybe there are people who are watching you don't know that there's a God in heaven who loves you who can forgive your sins who can make you his own child and all he asks of you and me is to believe in his son, Jesus Christ, to believe in Jesus Christ. If you've never done this, maybe a friend invited you and, and you feel in your heart, I, I, I need Jesus. You know, this, this man up there is preaching and it's like it's real. I need Jesus in me. And if you're like that, I want to lead you in a prayer, a simple prayer to receive Jesus into your heart, into your life. He will change you. He'll make you a new person. But it should be your decision. If you've never done it, I want to lead you in this prayer. You can pray with me and receive Jesus Christ into your life. Have your sins forgiven and become a child of God. And this is entirely your decision. Nobody is forcing you to do it. And it doesn't matter what your background is, you're welcome to believe in Jesus Christ and follow Him. And follow Him alone all the days of your life. So say this with me, if you've never done this before, Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive my sins, make me a child of God, and help me to follow you, and you alone, all the days of my life. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anybody you prayed this prayer with me for the very first time? I want to see your hand. Could you raise it up? If you prayed this prayer with me for the very first time, anyone in the auditorium, let's like to see your hands. Anybody you prayed this prayer with me for the very first time? I see one hand. Good. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. Anyone else? We don't want to miss anybody because we have a bag that we want to give you. It's called the New Believer's Bag. The ushers will come give it to you. We've got some resources for you. 
uh, to use and just to strengthen your faith. And God bless you. Thank you for making that decision today. Anybody else, if you pray that prayer on your way out, make sure you get that bag. It's called the New Believers Bag. There are some free resources we want to give to you. Those of you online, please visit our website that has all these information there for you that you could make use of and to grow in your faith. Another thing I want to do is this. I want to just take 10 more minutes of your time. If you have turkey in the oven cooking and you need to go, you're free to go. But if you don't have turkey in the oven, you can stay. <laughs> I know it's Thanksgiving week. So, just what, just a few more minutes. You see, we talked about praying in tongues. Praying in tongues. Now, for some of you, you're familiar with it. You maybe you, many of you are already praying in tongues. But for some of you, are saying, "I don't know what this is. I, I don't pray in tongues." So we just want to pray and ask the Lord Jesus to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That means Jesus will pour out His Spirit upon you. As you are a believer in Jesus, He will pour out His Spirit upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, He brings these abilities or gifts. And those of you watching online, you, this can happen to you right where you are. And He gives one of His gifts is this ability to pray to God in heavenly languages, in languages you have not learned. You say, but what's the point of doing that? Because when you pray in your own language, English, we are limited. You can only pray according to what we know. We can only pray according to what we know. But when you pray in a language given to your Holy, by the Holy Spirit, your prayer life becomes unlimited because He's providing you the information. He's leading you. You only become a vehicle for that prayer. And you can pray the mysteries of God, things that your mind doesn't know. You know, and God was so gracious in my life. I was 13 years old when I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, started praying in tongues. Been doing that ever since. So many decades. Many decades. So this is not a you know random thing I'm talking about. And I've seen people baptize Holy Spirit. Sometimes you prayed on the phone, they start praying in tongues. Uh, it's so you know it can happen right here in this auditorium this morning. The Lord Jesus can baptize you. If you're a believer in Jesus, the Lord Jesus can baptize you right now. And these heavenly languages can just come out of you. It's not a language you've learned. I mean, not Hindi. I know some of you wish it was Hindi. but It's not Hindi or French or German. Not a language you've learned. But it's a language of given to you by the Holy Spirit for you to pray. Talk to God. So, for those of us who already pray in tongues, I want you to do what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 14, 28. You pray between you and God. You just pray in tongues between you and God. For those of you who don't pray in tongues, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer to ask the Lord Jesus to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and help you pray in tongues. Very simple. This is available for all believers. Very simple. So you just say, Lord, you know, just pray. And, and then you have to take a step of faith. You cannot speak two languages at the same time. So you stop praying in your own language, English or whatever language you normally pray in. And just speak out the language that comes out of your spirit, out of that womb, out of that spirit, out of your spirit. Just speak out that language. The Holy Spirit will give it to you. It's not about us giving you a language. The Holy Spirit will give it to you. Are you ready? Okay? So very simple. If you want to, nobody, I'm not forcing anybody. This is only an invitation. 
Just say this prayer with me, asking Jesus to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, receive the gifts, receive the power, and then take a step of faith to pray in tongues. It's a very simple thing. There doesn't have to be any confusion, nothing here. Nobody's going to fly off the ceiling or anything. You're going to be standing right there, just talking to God like you normally do. All right? Those of you already praying in tongues, just go ahead, pray between you and God. Just pray in tongues. The others, if you would like to do this, just join with me and just pray this prayer with me. If you if you'd like Jesus to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, just pray and just ask him. Say this with me, Lord Jesus. I'm a believer. You said those who believe will speak with new tongues. I want to speak in new tongues. Baptize me with the Holy Spirit. Pour out your Spirit upon me. Fill me with power. Fill me with the gifts of the Spirit. And help me speak in new tongues. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, where you are, just say this. In Jesus' name, I speak in new tongues. In Jesus' name, I speak in new tongues. Just open your mouth now. Don't say anything in your known language. Don't say anything in English. Whatever words you sense coming out of your spirit, you give voice to it. Just speak it. The Holy Spirit will give you the language. Just pray. Whatever language comes, give voice to it. A language is made up of sounds. So just whatever sounds, just speak it. says God understands he understands languages all languages he understands words come out just keep speaking keep speaking until you just learn how to let those words come out of your mouth and you can pray anytime you're walking on the street you can pray in tongues you're in your room you can pray in tongues you're in the mall you can pray in tongues you can pray in tongues anywhere anytime Just to get a 
sense of what happened right now. If you started praying in tongues for the first time right now, can I see your hand, please? Wow, look at that. Wow, wonderful. One, two, several here. Just raise your hand up. Keep your hand up. I see people sitting at the back there. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Those hands. Little Caleb, too. Woo! <laughs> Caleb, too. <laughs> Who else? God bless you. God bless you. Wonderful. See, it's very simple. Very simple. The Holy Spirit gives you the language. Now, if you didn't start praying right now, don't feel discouraged or anything. Just go home. Do what I just told you. Just say, Lord Jesus, I want to pray in tongues. Don't say anything in your own language because you can't speak two languages at the same time. And then whatever comes out, just speak it. And then continue praying. You see, this way you can spend hours, hours in prayer. You say, how do you spend eight hours in prayer? Pray in tongues. Take bathroom breaks and keep praying in tongues. How do you spend a night in prayer? Pray in tongues. Just pray. Because the Holy Spirit knows everything he need, that needs to be prayed about. So you just pray in tongues. And pray mysteries. Amen? And as you do this, what will happen? He will usher you into your labor room. He will take you into this place where you can birth the purpose of God. So go ahead, do that. Amen? We're going to close. I'll just pronounce the benediction and I'll close. And if you need personal prayer, we'll be available right here if you want to be prayed for minister to. Let's close, please. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each of us always. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources including sermons, sermon notes, publication, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, please visit apcbiblecollege.org. Please remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the app or Google Play Store.